there you are. It's lovely to have you with me on this, the Talking Dogs podcast. I'm the dog father. Well, the real name's Graham Hall, but the dog father's what I go by when I'm travelling all over the country, helping owners with their dog behavioural problems. You might have seen me doing just that on telly's dogs behaving very badly. As I'm sure you can imagine, I've seen a lot during my decade plus on the job, um, which is why I'm now using everything I know to help you as best I can on this podcast, because it's really important you feel able to enjoy your time with your dog rather than it all becoming kind of frustrating and stressful. Sometimes dogs seem to become obsessed with things, household items, toys, you know, the kind of thing. They sometimes develop obsessive behaviours too. Uh, I'll tackle the latter in a bit. But first, a dog who won't let his owner clean the house in peace. Now, Barbara's emailed about her six-month-old Frenchie. She says, I can't do any cleaning up with the dog around. He goes after the brush and the mop and our feet too. I've got to put him in another room. So there you go. I use that excuse as well uh, for lots of things. I couldn't possibly with a dog around. So how common is this? You'd be surprised how common this is. And uh, when I read your note, Barbara, I remembered uh, a Frenchie, a French bulldog, that we featured in Dogs Behaving Very Badly. It was Series 2, and it was up in Liverpool. And he was a little Frenchie that would... Well, he, he wouldn't just sort of go and nip a mop. He would hump it, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and also a hairdryer. As soon as a hairdryer came out, he was after that as well. And that was a particular problem because the lady who owned him was a hairdresser and he came to work with us, so you can imagine. So how do we get him used to it? Well, I'll tell you what I did in that case. This is my standard sort of way of dealing with something like this. You take the item that you've got, brushing them up, whatever it is, and break it down into all those things. I kind of make an easy version of the problem so we just think well okay so it's a mop so you get the mop out and you move it around so how could there be a, a, a lesser version of that a diluted version of that well i'll tell you how to do it you split out the senses so if i'm a dog i'm seeing it move and if you think about where dogs came from as predators things that move and are a bit furry like a mop right something deep inside you tells you go get it there's a sound to it as well of course they've got a bit of a a, a smell to them all of those things you know um so you're looking at sight sound smell it's almost all there isn't it with a mop as well by the time he's got it in his chops it feels a bit like a dog toy so there's church there's all sorts so here's what i would do first of all i bring out let's let's say we're talking about your mop right so bring out the mop and just stand it there right when he goes for it, you need to tell him off. Now, this is one where it's just no good just ignoring it because he'll he'll nick it, won't he? And he'll, it'll just become a dog toy. So it'll be a, a self-rewarding behaviour and those things just get worse and worse. So doing nothing, I think, is no option. However, we do need to find a way of focusing on a, on a positive, right? So, But initially, it's going to be a case of telling him no. So the mop's there, but it's not moving. That's the point. You're not actually cleaning the floor with it. It's just there. It's dead boring, right? And that's what we're trying to get to. So it stood there. He goes, ah, no, maybe stand in the way, do a block, you know. Your face needs to match. So the sound from you and the look on your face, thinking about senses again, is saying, no, I know you want to, but it ain't worth it, right? If he then backs off, that's when you get to switch those senses the other way. So we've gone from unhappy mummy, don't you dare, to 
Oh, good boy. That's nice. Yeah. So none of this should be aggressive or nasty. It really is just, ah, ah, no, you've blown it. No, try again. No, try it. No. Ah, good boy. Good boy. And then you maybe move it, put it somewhere else. Now, that might sound a bit odd because to a human, it's like, well, if I've been told not to touch the mop, I've been told not to touch the mop. It doesn't matter whether it's this end of the kitchen or the other end or in the hallway, does it? But a dog doesn't. A dog says, now, I learned this in that corner. That's the rule in that corner, right? Over there, different. By the time you've taught them in lots of different places, we call it generalisation, by the way, they've got this general rule that, oh, right, don't touch mum's mop. She gets a bit funny. But if I back off, she loves me. Now, you could ramp up the positive side uh, if you want by giving him a, a treat when he backs away, okay? Take it out of his daily allowance so you don't get fat and don't let him kind of know you've got it until he backs off. In other words, I want him to earn it first and then, oh, surprise, there's a magic payment for that. Who knew? There's a bonus. Um, as opposed to, this is what often what happens is people let's say you've got the mop and he's going for it and you're then waving a treat around going no 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 no, do this instead have this instead have this instead if you're not careful he's like oh so i go to bite your mop and you reward me by giving me a treat and a mop if you're not fast enough <laughs> which is what you're after right then and only then with a static mop and him going yeah yeah i know Keep your air on. I'll back off, right? That's when you get to move it a bit. Don't actually mop the floor still. That's too much. Just move it a bit. He goes for it at no. Move it a bit at no. And then you build it up, move it a bit more, move it a bit more. Very quickly, you'll get to the stage where you can move towards him with the mop. And he'll be like, no, no, no. I will just get out of the way, actually, because I don't like the mummy you turn into when it comes towards me, right? Again, nothing nasty, but enough for him to think, no, do you know what? It's not worth it. I'd rather have happy mummy instead. You could do that with anything, whether it's a mop, a brush, a hairdryer, a hoover. Hoovers are interesting. Why would a dog go for a hoover? Well, let's think about this. It's the weirdest animal you've ever seen. It spends all of its time growling when it comes out of the cupboard. It moves erratically. It's attached to mum. And some of them have got really long tails. Weird. So you can kind of understand why a dog might take exception to that in his house. So with a hoover, you've got a motor as well. So it's keep it static, don't move it. Dog's got used to it. Great. Next stage, switch the motor on, don't move it. So now it's making a noise. Think about the senses again. And it's not moving, right? Then you're probably back to square one. Reteach it, right? Okay, okay, all right. So if it's not moving and it's on, I'll leave it be, fine. Then you move it a bit. So now we've got the sight of it, the movement of it, yeah, all of those things, right? And you build it up bit by bit. Now, next up, Rachel and her 20-month-old Doberman, Arlo. Now, she says, I'm having trouble with his, with his addiction to tennis balls. If he sees a ball, he runs to grab it, uh, and he'll steal from other dogs or out of people's hands. Blimey. And once he's got a ball, he won't come back. Right. I've resorted to carrying spare tennis balls in my pocket in case he steals a ball from another dog and I have to replace it. Or if he's found a ball and he's refusing to come back. I use the spare ones to entice him back through his favourite game of fetch. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm loving Arlo already. He's got a sense of humour, hasn't he? I wonder if he's neutered. <laughs> You're not taking these ones off me. So, 
Uh, he's a two-ball dog, isn't he? He's like, if he's got a ball, you need a second ball to get him back so you can chuck the second ball, and then he grabs that, and then you get the first one, and so it goes on. Yeah, this is just the best game known to dog, isn't it, as far as Arlo is concerned. It reminds me of uh, another telly one. From Series 3, I went to see a lady whose dog didn't nick tennis balls, but footballs. She had to carry a net of f- <laughs> a net, and her footballs around, like one of those soccer coaches you know uh, not that anybody calls it soccer anymore what do i know i know nothing about football and uh yeah and so she was replacing people's footballs um and when i saw the problem and he was terrible he would run off nick it and when it was popped he would give up right and, and i did think i thought this is going to be really hard uh we're only here for a day i've, I've you know I've, I've got to get a result it turned out to be quite easy by basically following a, a, a pretty simple system in the end we had three footballers on the pitch um, tapping a football around even chipping it over his head and he's like yeah yeah now i give up in fact he laid down at one point so the thing to know about Dobermans, interestingly, is when they nick something, they run around in great big circles, ever so pleased themselves. So I can just imagine Arlo, I don't know if, if um, Rachel, if he does this, but I bet he does. Uh, they don't just sort of run around just here. They're like, they're like, whoa, over there and back again. Look what I've got. I know I've gone again. And off he goes. So that's the problem. What do we do about it? Right. Um, I think we've, first of all, um, I think you need to teach him that he needs to give things back, basically. There's a few techniques for that. But you could start with the tennis ball on a rope, for example, one that's designed as a dog toy. The other thing about tennis balls is actually the bigger dogs, and I was very conscious of this when I had uh, Rottweilers, a tennis ball, believe it or not, is just big enough to get jammed in their throat. And once it gets... Because they, they're breathing so heavily, and you can imagine they go bouncing after it, open their great big mouths and inhale the, the damn thing. And it, I've known of dogs that have died, sadly, as, asphyxiated because nobody could get the ball out. So I really wouldn't advise tennis balls. I'd move them away onto something bigger. But So get them a, a toy with a, a string on it, a rope on it, so you can hold one end. And if nothing else... You can just sort of wait and wait and wait. When he gives it up, good boy, he gets it back to play with. So you can play tug of war. It's not a phrase I like, particularly when it comes to dogs. But the the game here is if you let go, the reward is you get it back. Now, think about what people normally do. Once you finally get something off him, it's like, right, that's it. You're not having that back. And in the pocket it goes. So what he's doing, he's going, if I let go, I'll never see this again. So there's a real disincentive to letting go. In fact, you're punishing him for letting go of a ball. So play this in your back garden, in the house. Um, you know, it's nice and easy for you because you have got you can keep, you know, hold on to the, the rope. You'd have to put your hands in by his sharp, pointy teeth. And it's just wait and wait and wait. And then as he starts to let go, you can overlay that with a command. So I say out. Quite like out. Sounds like a bit of a bark. Out. Good boy. Straight back. Yeah, almost feed it back at him, yeah? He's like, I'm not going to let go. Yeah, whatever, whatever. I can wait. I've got all day, right? As soon as he lets go, as he's letting go, and I know this sounds the wrong way around, but as he's letting go, you're saying, out. And he's going, yeah, all right, I'll have it back, right? So if I let go, oh, I get it back, and we play together. Great. Okay, I love that. I love that more than just a ball on its own. The reason you're saying your new command, or what will be a command, as he's already doing it, is you're making the connection between the two. He associates the sound with this thing he's just happening to do. Further down the line, when you say out, he's going to go, oh yeah, that game, the let go and then we play together game. See? So that that's what I would do. So at the very least, when you're out and about then, you've got something, you've got a tool you can use to get him to, to let go. And it's in his interest to let go. 
Emma's rescued a dog from Bosnia and wonders if her obsessive behaviour, that's the dog knows, has got something to do with her breeding, right? So she's obsessive behaviours as she's a collie cross GSD. Now there's a clue. I've had to stop giving her raw food and bones because she keeps hiding them under the carpet. She's actually got the carpet up. <laughs> Back to the breeding. So is it in the nature of a dog to do this kind of thing? Do some breeds do it more than others? What do you do when they do? Right. I think it's in the nature of most dogs to do it a bit. And I'll tell you where it comes from. You particularly see it with things like bones. Because as a predator, if you find something, you eat it. And you eat as much as you can because you never know when your next you know meal is coming from. So if there's a bit left over and it's going to be things like bones because they're chewy and they take a bit to eat, right? Or if you're in a hurry, you go, right, I'll save that for another time. That's where the digging holes in your garden and particularly burying things like bones comes from sometimes they do it with toys as well because even though it's thousands of years 15 20,000 years since a dog was was a wolf right was a proper predator it's still in there in the dna right that there's something is telling them to bury this so no other animal can get it that's the point and then we'll come back later okay my rottweiler axel used to do it and he'd do it with the toy so he would take the toy to the corner of a room <laughs> and it was hilarious to watch because he'd go up to the corner of a room and he'd drop it, dunk, on the floor, right? And then he'd look over his shoulders, like, so anybody looking, right? <laughs> and then he'd stick his nose down and the carpet was quite well <laughs> fixed in the corners, right? And he would brush his nose along the carpet right in the manner of a dog that was burying something you know they use their nose to like a shovel to throw the soil over the top in his head it was an imaginary pile of soil and he would he was actually rubbing away his nose he hurt himself he, he got a graze on his nose from just going across the carpet and then he'd look at it and go oh hell that's no good and he'd pick it up <laughs> Go to another another corner of the room, right? Fong, 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 fong. Oh, bloody hell! And then <laughs> I had a lot of time watching Axel and quite amused. But that's where it comes from, right? How do you stop it? Well, it's hard. Take it away, basically. So every time he drops it like that, it's like ah no, you know. As soon as he, if you've taken away the thing that he's about to bury at that moment he's like this doesn't work because i've lost it anyway if i drop it to bury it so it's like burying it doesn't work so the the consequence for doing the burying thing is that you've lost the bone anyway or in axel's case the you know the the, the ball so it's like i play with it i play with it i play with it and in any case it's a good principle for you to say i give you it you have it for a while and then when it suits me that's enough now, I'll take it away. So I don't think you need to necessarily stop giving your dog, you know, a bone. By the way, while we're on the subject of bones, a bone from the butchers that's uncooked is fine. And you do mention raw food, Emma, uh, in fairness. But yes, bones that have been cooked, things like chicken bones, they are bad news because they'll splinter and hurt your dog. So there is a bit of misunderstanding, I think, sometimes about that. So um, something like a marrow bone that's raw, they'll chew on that. That's no, no danger. So what you do is you bring it out, you go, it's yours for a bit, fine. Yeah, lovely. Okay, boy, right, let go. And and it's taken up. So whether it's the toy or a bone, next thing you put it down and then you take it up when it suits you. And if they start the, the burying thing in the meantime, 
well, they've blown it. That's end of, you know. In their head, game over comes up on the screen and that should fix your problem. Bobby the Cocker Spaniel's another dog displaying some odd behaviour. Now, his granny Angie, uh, that's her word, granny, by the way, not mine, says the problem is Bobby displays what appears to be an OCD habit, which involves licking walls and door frames. I know somebody down the Rose and Crown who does that after a couple of pints. Um, he also fixates on and chases shadows and reflections. He does this regardless of whether my daughter's in the room or not, so doesn't seem to be separation anxiety. Right, I get it. So your daughter's the owner, you're the grandmother, I'm with you now, right. So it's not separation anxiety. No, the other thing that would be on my mind is, is it uh, like a, an attention-seeking thing, right? Well, it's certainly not attention-seeking from your daughter because she ain't there when he does it. It's something that you associate with certain dogs. If I didn't know, I'd have said that was probably a border collie, but he's not. He's Cocker Spaniel. But I have seen it in Cockers. I've seen it in quite a few breeds. I wonder if Bobby is um, is a working breed Cocker Spaniel, perhaps. The dogs that are that were bred to do a job, and this isn't exclusive to working breed dogs, but it's, it's particularly the case with them. If they're not getting enough exercise, for example, and that's mental as well as physical, um, they kind of make their own mischief, if you know what I mean. And often it, it is a bit like an OCD sort of thing, which, by the way, is a term that's, that's overused sometimes, but something triggers it and then they just start doing something that makes them feel a bit better. So often we see this when there is a bit of nervousness going on. It can be... So, for example, we sometimes talk about a displacement behaviour. So, in humans, biting your nails would be a good example it's something you do when you're a bit anxious or even when you're just thinking about something something triggers it it doesn't really serve a purpose it does become an unwanted behavior but it's habit it's just something you do so if you could stop bobby in the middle of his he's you know licking the walls and the door frames and chasing the shadow thing and go what are you doing why are you doing this he'd go i don't know mate it's just what i do <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't give you a reason probably it's just a habit right so sometimes you look at the triggers and you go within reason can i take away the triggers is there something that we can identify that that gets him to do it um can we change something in the environment that's quite i think that's quite legitimate there are times when you can't do that so for example if he chases reflections you're not going to live in darkness on a sunny day and stuff like that so often it's about creating the things that do cause the uh, uh, the, the triggers the things that do cause the behavior and desensitizing him really so getting him used to it so he does it sometimes you need to sort of interrupt the behavior just momentarily I, no you know that kind of thing if he then stops and goes hmm you could give him something else to do. But again, don't go chasing him around the room, offering things like toys and treats and things to, to distract him because all you'll be doing is rewarding the bad behaviour, if you like. So if it's particularly bad and you're worried about it, there are things that vets can do to help with anxiety too. There are some, there are medications that can be quite useful these days that change the, the way the brain sort of works. We're not talking about sort of old-fashioned sedatives here and dumb the dog down because nobody wants to kill their spirit, but there are things that can just take the edge off anxiety so it might be a well well worth having a a chat with your with your vet you know 
But I would certainly look at exercise. Is he getting enough? Is he getting enough brain exercise? So you could certainly look at puzzles, things like that. If you, if you go on the internet and have a look at dog puzzles, there's loads of stuff you can get that, that might be quite interesting. Without even doing that, you can play hide and seek. Okay? So uh, keep him out of a room. You pop in the room. Leave a couple of treats or even a favourite toy somewhere. Uh, let him in the room and let him search around to try and find it. So it's just all these things are just keeping his brain ticking over. So, so he doesn't go looking for entertainment elsewhere. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, I hope you found some of that helpful. Now listen, I really want to hear about your dog and any problems that you might be having with them. Are you completely stumped as to what's causing their strange behaviour? I might just be able to help you onto the right path to a solution. So do send a voice note to talkingdogs at avalonuk.com and I could be answering your question next week. I'd love it if you could rate, review and subscribe to the podcast and that way we can meet up again very soon for some dog-related chat. You can always say hello to me on Instagram too. It's at dogfather.graham. By the way, the spelling of my name is G-R-A-E-M-E or if you live south of Doncaster, G-R-A-E-M-E. Until next week, (laughs) look after yourself, your loved ones and of course, drumroll, your dogs. Bye for now.